Hello, everybody. Megazord X here. Back at it again to give y'all another very exciting podcast episode. That'd be my Zardcast podcast episode 37. Now, whole freaking shit. I know I might go a little bit more into detail on this a little later on in the show, but oh my gosh, last night, though, with all that Marvel news they went through and talked about and discussed with the with the new show announcements, new trailer drops and all of this stuff, confirmed dates for the new Avengers movies. I was like, oh my gosh, so much information that I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to drop all of it up in the podcast, though. But I'll talk about it a little bit more once we hit our little Marvel segment, though. And then quite a bit of gaming news. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do the podcast last week. It got pushed to this week. Now, instead of covering the traditional two weeks worth of news, now I got three weeks. So I have to go through their cut, add, and change my little list of stuff, though. Most of it's still the same stuff I would have talked about last week, but I got a little extra stuff to talk about as well, though. So quite a bit of stuff to go through tonight, though. So uh, let's just go ahead and jump up in it, though. So uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump straight up into that pop culture segment. All right, so first up, we had some news on some Avatar. No, I'm not talking about the Disney kind of Avatar. I'm talking about Nickelodeon Avatar, like with Aang, Katara, you know, Toph, Sokka, Zuko, you know, that whole team Avatar right there, though. Because they did confirm that, yes, we are going to get a movie dedicated towards, you know, some Avatar, basically some... I don't want to, I want to consider it a spinoff, but basically future Avatar content um, in terms of like movies that are dedicated towards certain characters or certain groups of people, though. And it is confirmed that they actually moved up the Avatar movie from... We, we knew there was going to be one that was going to focus on Aang, but now they moved that sucker up to 2024. And I was looking at it, I was like, well, dang. I was like, I didn't think that they were actually going to you know, move it up like that because for the longest time, I think in that slot when we would have got something, it should have been Avatar Kiyoshi, but then they changed it up to where um Aang is gonna be up in there. And it and once this movie does come out, they're gonna have like a movie releasing every year from, you know, Team Avatar or whatever. Whatever Avatar Studios, I think is what they're called or whatnot though. So but yeah, so I, yeah, I got the stuff right up in front. Yeah, because it broke out during San Diego Comic Con. A lot of news has dropped that up on that though. But it should be coming out in theaters in the year of 2024. So replacing the Kyoshi, it, it's Aang and stuff like that. And it should be roughly around the time period when they're like young adults. We're probably thinking like maybe upper 20s or something like that. I, I got like an art illustration. If you're watching this on YouTube, I have an art illustration thing right up here in front of me. I imagine this is probably what they're going to look like. Well, you know, whenever that movie actually does drop, though. Now, I don't know if I actually go to the theaters and see this, or I might. I don't know. This kind of depends on whatever's kind of coming out around that time, though. So, um, sheesh, though. But golly, I, I am really looking forward to that, though. But if you're an Avatar fan like me, y'all got y'all got to let me know because, uh, shoot, man, I, I've been starving for some new Avatar content past like the 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 Legend of Korra stuff that we had. Which, mind you, I remember that, that show. It started off on Nickelodeon, and then for some all about reason with time show slots or whatever, moved strictly to online. I remember having to connect my computer up to my 
TV and then running HDMI cord up in there just to, or was it, it might have been HDMI cord. It might have been a VGA cord or something like that, though. But yeah, so I remember doing that, though. So anyway, though, uh, we'll go ahead and switch over to the next topic because um, it does seem like Dragon Ball Super may be coming back. Not just a movie that we know that's going to be coming out. It's almost right around the corner, to be honest, though. But I'm not just talking about that because there was somebody and he's pretty you know, pretty into the Dragon Ball knowledge and whatnot, though, within the Dragon Ball community and whatnot, though. And they're saying that Dragon Ball Super has a chance to basically return. Um, and it'd be the post-universe survival arc as early as 2023. And I'm like, ooh. I was like, I, I, I'm really looking forward to that because I was like, I knew they are going to come back with Super. Is this after a certain point? Because when you have a long-running anime, you can't just keep it running like, like Black Clover and all of those. So they have to take their breaks you know, figure out what they want to do with the story and whatnot, though. So, could it be coming out as early as next year? I really would like that. Now, also, there's also, or from the same person, they're saying that there could be a new Dragon Ball movie after Superhero, and it's currently in pre-production, and they're trying to release movies every two to three years, which I think for most part, even when we were in that longest gap between Dragon Ball Z, or technically Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball GT to Super, it was a long gap, but I still felt like we were getting movies kind of fairly on and off before they finally kind of resumed the anime or whatnot, though. So I feel like they're going to try to be pretty consistent um, with these movies and stuff like that, though. But yeah, but that's basically says, or that's all he basically says right now in terms of the movie front and the anime front, though. So it seems like, you know, we're in for some fairly good stuff, though. Are some reports, because I think Dragon Ball Super or Superhero I think it's already released in Japan, and I heard some mixed thoughts on it from most people, though. I don't know if it's so much the CGI or more so the storytelling or whatever, but the second I'm able to watch it, I'll probably get my thoughts out here on one of my podcast episodes, though. But that's basically all I have to do, to, or all I have to say in terms of that quick little update. Now, we'll switch over to the very last pop culture segment news, because um, Sony Entertainment plans to remove purchase items that you basically bought on your PlayStation and removing them from the store or moving them from the video libraries to some PlayStation users. Now, this right here is kind of weird and it kind of goes into the thought of, well, it was one topic I actually kind of removed, but I can kind of mention this a little bit. It was dealing with like Assassin's Creed, how I think at one point they said that they were going to remove that from Steam for some oddball reasons. And even if you actually bought the game, you weren't going to own it or whatever though. It, it just kind of brings up red flags with the all digital future because while it is super convenient, you don't gotta run up to run to your room, dust off that DVD case or whatever, pop open that DVD case, video game case, whatever, pop it up into your system and play it. You just have the comfort of just sitting down right on your system or whatever device it is on and then just playing or watching your digital media. It is really convenient on that fact, but the fact that you can have companies like this do the licenses, whatever, if they just feel like it or just if the moves just strikes them just right, they could just take anything from you in an all digital age, which that to me doesn't really sit that well for me. And I I, it, I just don't like that. I, I just don't like the thought of that. I mean, yes, I like digital as an option, but I don't want it to be just purely digital future because, well, I guess digital in a way might be a little bit better than like streamable only stream. Like, Imagine only having games only being streamed to you. I mean, because not everybody's internet's up the stuff 
depending on where you're at in the world or whatever, though. But I don't know. It's just something to kind of think about. So I'm like, got to be careful with, I guess, what content we're going to get. Because I, I mean, shoot, I would say right now we're in 2022. I imagine by the time we hit 2050, I think most things are probably all going to be digital, whether or not we like it or not. I feel like younger generations are going to be more accepting than us older people. If you're born in like the around the 90s ish, like me, you're kind of like the physical content. And then obviously older than that. I feel like people born post 2010 ish, 2010 decade, they might be a little more accepting of this. I don't know. Times are changing. Times are changing. I guess that's all I can say up on that, though. But that's pretty much it in terms of the general pop culture segment news. Now, let's go ahead and switch over to this uh, Marvel stuff because. Oh, freaking shoot. Now I can talk about it a little bit more. Uh, before I talk about Miss Marvel that's here on the screen, um, San Diego Comic-Con. That happened within like this this past um, past few days or whatnot, though. And whole freaking shoot, they dropped the mother load. Like, they announced so many different shows. I was just scrolling. I was chilling last night. I, I was eating my food, whatnot, making my dinner and stuff, chilling, um, watching some of the bit of the Splatoon 2 tournament stuff um, that happened uh, the other day ago. And lo and behold, they... When they announced the Avengers movies, and then they said they dropped the Black Panther Wakanda Forever trailer up and that stuff, along with the Iron Groove stuff and all of that stuff, I was like, you know what? That's it. I'm just going to have to sit down and watch all of this or stream all of this stuff and just give my thoughts on all the trailers, all my reactions, all the announcements, everything else in between. And I was like, oh my goodness, it was quite a bit. But if you want to hear all my big Marvel thoughts over San Diego Comic-Con, everything they had to announce... Um, there is a video on my channel. I streamed that yesterday, so you can definitely check that out or whatever, though. But yeah, so all my thoughts are up on that. Kind of interesting how we're going into Phase 5, starting as soon as next year with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Like, Phase 4, the last one of that is technically going to be um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, though. And then after that, then we're fully into Phase 5, though. So honestly, some really cool, some really good stuff like that, though. And that's all I got to say on it right there. You can always check out that other video for all my full thoughts on it, though. But the only thing I didn't talk about in that stream last night was Miss Marvel and Thor Love and Thunder. I did watch both of those, one being a series, one being a full-blown movie. I did watch both of them, so I did want to kind of give my thoughts on these two, though. So starting off with Miss Marvel, you know, the traditional six episodes that we normally get when Disney Plus. Honestly, I thought this show was, it was pretty good really had a really nice diverse culture and stuff i know it sort of kind of rubbed some people the wrong way in terms of how kamala had her powers because we know that she's an inhuman and whatnot though and normally she kind of almost acted like a weird combination like elastigirl and the hulk if you, if you were kind of you know merge like two different superpowers or whatever though because she just like mainly like she's always known for like enlarging her fist or whatever though but they did a little different in this show like they kind of use like a type of like a mysterious power where it's like look like a bunch of polygons in a way i guess the best way how to describe it or whatever though but anyway she she used her powers it mostly came from her bangle and her bangle kind of tapped into her potential to actually unlock powers meanwhile if you think back in the comics itself it was actually black bolt one of the inhumans he sent out like a kind of like a wave or something over Earth, and that kind of unlocked different peoples who have the potential to have some kind of powers in them. Basically, it was like a key to the lock and unlocked it. So that's kind of how Kamala had her powers in the comments. This one's a little different, dealing with a bangle and whatnot, though. 
But honestly, I really did like her character and stuff. Kind of felt very close to Peter Parker in the sense, like, wow, she was kind of really relatable. Like, we knew that um, she wasn't super powerful. She was from the Bronx and all of this stuff, though. Kind of like how, uh, shoot, Miles Morales kind of was, though. You know, uh, no. But anyway, though, she was very grounded. Had a lot of, you know, comedic moments and stuff like that as well. And just like the way I was, it was purely handled. I mean, the rich, diverse culture and stuff. I, I just really like how they're expanding upon the MCU stuff. And um, we know that she's kind of crazy over, you know, superheroes and stuff like that. Had some really strong, um, relatable moments with her. Because, um, like, she was trying to attend, like, a Comic-Con or whatever, though. I mean, she always really looked up to uh, Captain Marvel, hence the inspiration of her name, Miss Marvel, though. But it was kind of interesting how at the very tail end of it, um, the origin of her superhero name actually came from her father out of all places, though. So it was kind of nice to kind of see that, though. But overall, very unique. It wasn't like super jam-packed, super action-y or anything like that, though. But it was just kind of nice, grounded, just kind of typical stuff. A, a girl coming of age, you know, accepting turns, trying to deal with this new responsibility with her powers. It is kind of interesting how accepting, once she actually revealed her powers to her parents and her family and stuff, how accepting they were of it. And meanwhile, like, you look at somebody like Peter Parker, who had to keep that mess hidden for, like, such the longest time until you actually kind of revealed that to his aunt or whatever, though, depending on, you know, what Spider-Man thing you're talking about, whether it's comics, movies, or whatever, though. But it's kind of interesting how different she is compared to other superheroes. And I think, technically, this makes her, I want to say, our youngest what will soon to be Avenger or whatever, basically superhero. I think she's going to be our youngest superhero up until this point, though. I mean, I'm trying to think who was... I think there was one younger before her, but... Oh, well, technically Peter Parker. But now I think she's technically younger than him. So that is kind of really interesting. Yeah, because Peter Parker's about to go to college um, within the next movie, though. She's still in uh, high school right now, though. So, yeah, so overall, some really cool stuff like that. Would really, would really recommend if you have Disney Plus or whatever, though, because they're doing some good, very interesting, unique stuff with the Disney Plus shows and stuff like that. I, I just like the diversity of everything they've been kind of showcasing off, though. But I think that's mostly it in terms of, like, my impressions and thoughts of what I thought about Miss Marvel without hugely going over into, like, the spoilerly kind of side of things, though. But we'll go ahead and switch over uh, to the next one, and we'll go ahead and talk about Thor, Love, and Thunder. Because, my goodness, Thor movies are always something. Like, it's weird because, like, a lot of people sort of kind of feel mixed on, like, modern Marvel that's, like, post-Endgame and whatnot, though. But people can always sort of kind of rally behind a Thor movie for, you know, and some people didn't like Thor Ragnarok. I actually really enjoyed it in comparison to like um, Thor The Dark World, which was like the second movie in the series or whatever, though. But I really did like the spin between we had Thor and then we had what is considered technically in the comments. There is a female Thor, a.k.a. Um, Jane, you know, Thor's previous girlfriend or whatever she always keeps managing to pop up left and right left and right and all this kind of stuff though but it, it was nice to kind of be able to see them you know pop back and forth though somehow <laughs> thor's old hammer managed to actually come back from the grave she managed to bring that back so it was kind of nice to see the unique spin on that though um valkyrie was always very comedic as well as lovers are a lovable rockhead over there though and honestly i had a strange sneaking suspicion now, I really thought Thor was going to die because the main antagonist of this movie was, uh, was a um, was a god killer. 
And when I saw that in the original previews and stuff like that, I thought, golly, I thought this was going to be a, I thought this was going to be, you know, Thor's exiting outdoor, like the retired Iron Man, they retired Captain America and stuff like that, though. They killed, or and then they retired off um, Black Widow and stuff like that. Well, two of them retired, but technically dead, you know what I mean, though. But I, I thought this is Thor's way to go out, introduce Jane into the series as the main hero, though. But I was technically wrong, but I won't go into details on that. That kind of goes into the spoily realm, though, but I'll let you watch the movie, though. But I will say this. I felt like this had the most comedy out of everything. I, I dare say Thor Love and Thunder rivals the Guardians of the Galaxy movies because I was, that was a crap ton of comedy up in the, uh, up in these, uh, in this movie right here, though. It was, it was so much. I was like, dang, I was like, I was watching this movie with my cousin. I was like, dang, I was like, this gave Guardians of the Galaxy a run for his money. He was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm kind of curious how Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will actually play out because um, I'm curious to see if they can manage to top it or kind of, you know, maintain it and whatnot, though. So, yeah, so honestly, some really good stuff in this movie, though. If I were to rank all of the Thor movies, at the very bottom, maybe, uh, maybe Thor Dark World. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad movie if, this, if I were just kind of go through and rank them. Step up, I would say original Thor. Step up, Thor Ragnarok. Then I would say Thor Love and Thunder at the very top. I think I think that's might be the way I put him. I mean, I, depending on the day, I could probably swat Ragnarok and Love and Thunder though. But I think both of them are good for their own respective rights with what they kind of do up in this one though. So so honestly, some really good stuff, and I'm glad we 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 had another good one because uh, shoot. I think out of all the movies we gotten so far within phase four, phase four is almost about to come to the end. We only have Black Panther Wakanda Forever being the last one. Uh, that might be a discussion for another day, though. But if I were to say what one was the worst one movie that we got within phase four, I definitely would probably have to say Eternals. I, I think that was like bottom of the barrel. But then everything else, like we had some fresh looks with like um with Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. That was probably the freshest movie that we had out of all of them. I might I might sit down and rewatch that one day though. But yeah, so I think that's pretty much all my thoughts on Thor, Love, and Thunder. If you had seen this movie, y'all got to let me know um, down in the comment section down below, though, because, man, th this movie was great. I loved every single aspect about it, though. Man, those ending cutscenes. No, I'm not going to talk about those ending cutscenes, though, but but one of them, though. Oh, oh goodness. I, I mm, mm, oh, it's, it's about to get interesting. It's about to get interesting. But yeah, so that's basically going to do it in terms of all the pop culture news and technically the end of my Marvel news like that, though. So anyway, we'll go ahead and switch over to the next major topic, that being what's in the gaming news. So starting off, we had some news on a previously announced game that we knew that was all coming, coming right off the heels of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. That game was absolutely phenomenal. It felt like I was back in the arcade days, being able to go through and play that with my friends and stuff. Up to six players, max, all online and stuff. It felt great. The, the game was cool and stuff like that. We knew that that game was coming. We finally had that in our hands. And not too long, I'd say, after that, we, it was announced that they got the Cowbunga Collection, which has, like, all, pretty much almost all of the previous past Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, 
We're talking about ones from the NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, and, and a lot of other stuff. The arcade versions of certain games and stuff like that, though, all coming in within a big old Cowbunga collection. And I was like, gosh, dang, give me the release date on it, though, because after playing Shredder's Revenge, I, I, I just want some more turtles, man. I just want some more turtles over here. And they're scratching the itching at it, though. And we finally got the release date for this Cowabunga collection because it is going to be coming out uh, not too long from now, actually in the month of August, because it is actually scheduled to release on August the 30th, nearly almost the very last day of uh, August, though. But it is going to be coming out in August. So I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Because, yes, there is going to be some online uh, multi or online multiplayer in terms of, like, some of the, like, the arcade versions that have, you know, up to four players and stuff like that. So I am really looking forward to that. I'm going to be able to play that on my fight stick. So I'm going to be able to get that solid arcade sense. And then, like, certain other ones, like the NES version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I'll just probably play that with my Pro Controller or something like that, though. Because I will say... Um, with the pro or with the NES game, I actually have that game on the original Nintendo Entertainment System. I was never able to actually go through and beat that game. But now that we have the Cowabunga Collection coming out, I think it has some like save states. So I think a little bit of rewind and stuff like that, though. Some modern conveniences and stuff like that. I might finally be able to go through and actually beat that game along with like the arcade version of the first TNMT game, though. So really cool stuff though i did see some improvements like there used to be screen flickering with some of these games like original like that nes one i was just talking about and that's almost completely out of there like they, they fixed that mess i was like oh good they're actually making improvements to some of these games though so yes this is a game i am really i mean really looking forward to um and it, we don't have to wait too much longer though so yeah so that's gonna be really nice really do kind of want that cowbunga collection it is a little high on the dollar amount though but the stuff that's up in there though oh my goodness it looks really clean i will say so myself but that's basically all i have to say on the cowbunga collection so we'll go ahead and slide over um to the next thing though because uh a little more on the retro side of things though um the sega genesis genesis mini 2 i might have mentioned this in the last episode or the episode before last one of those two but we knew that this console was coming out or this mini system was coming out to Japan. But now they just confirmed it that, yes, it is going to be coming out to the West as well. Though, I think it's still an Amazon um, exclusive in terms of that, though. But we do know it's going to be um, uh, it's going to be over 50 classic games and stuff like that. We know it's coming out having some Genesis games as well as some CD games, though. So honestly, some really cool stuff like that, though, for hauling off Sega diehard fans out there. I, I don't know. I, I probably couldn't be one. I, I do like my persona and stuff. I, I like Sonic to an extent, though, to an extent. Don't get that wrong. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, though, there, there's just a few Sega titles I kind of like. I didn't really kind of grow up with the Genesis or whatever, though. So it's probably something that I probably wouldn't personally get, though. But it, it is cool for those retro um, gaming fans to be able to get that because I did hear that there are some games on here that on the especially on the CD side. I think of some, I think I believe I want to say it's probably some JRPGs or something like that that were actually on the high dollar amount side. And I was like, well, what the actual heck? Because I mean, like, you know, you know, because um the fact that um that they're not um the fact that they're putting it up in there, though, it is convenient to those that probably wanted to play those games, but they're just so high in dollar in the secondary market or whatever, though. So that is cool for them, though. But I think that's basically all I have to say up on this one, though. Now, 
with a little bit of unfortunate news, it it was confirmed that unfortunately, Square Enix is going to be making some NFTs. Why? Some of y'all might ask, and for what? Uh, you know, they got to go to their cash cow. They got to go to Final Fantasy VII. They're making NFTs for Final Fantasy VII. Now, I feel like most companies have kind of backed off on NFTs for the most part, but there are still some out there, though. And I feel like Square Enix has been kind of juggling this thought for the longest time because I think it is very profitable for the big companies. But when you start to look at the environment, what that could potentially do, and in the future, what could be an all digital future in terms of buying digital content, stuff that's not even tangible, but then you, you have the rights to it and you can um sell it off or whatever though i mean it, it doesn't really kind of sound good or really kind of bode well for like a multitude of reasons or whatever though but i did kind of want to let y'all know that in case you want to do a little more digging up on there though but my goodness I, I i just don't understand these nfts i really don't honestly i really don't but i ain't gonna dwell on the negative too much though so we're gonna go ahead and bounce it over to uh some a little more brighter side of the things though because it is confirmed that PlayStation Stars is a new program that PlayStation created to basically act like as a reward system. It's kind of weird, despite how many things PlayStation has done in comparison to like Nintendo or whatever, though. Like Nintendo has a reward system through like the gold coins and platinum coins. Like they've been had that since like the Wii days. But now it seems like Sony is finally are finally starting to actually do that themselves, though. And you can basically use some of these um, points or whatever you want to basically call it or whatever, though. Um, you can basically use it to be able to purchase, you know, DLC or something like that. Potential new games. Or it might be like partially. It might act very akin to like the gold coins that like Nintendo gives you. Like if you buy a full $60 game on, on the digital eShop, it usually gives you about 300 gold coins, which is equivalent to like $3 worth or whatever, though. However, if you were to buy that game physically or whatever, though, it would give you like what's the equivalent to like 60, I think 60 cents, equivalent to 60 cents. So you get more bang buying more stuff digital. And that's where they kind of want you to move towards anyway, though. But yeah, so you you, you can get points via that. Um, you can get points via um, platinum games the quickest within your time zone. That way, you know, you're competing with everybody with a, with a fair shot or whatever. I guess it must exclude people that get, like, review codes or reviewers or stuff like that. Because otherwise, like, you know, those are the people that will actually get the leg up on everybody. So that might have to exclude them, though. But, yeah, it, it is a nice program, you know, provide more options and stuff. And just kind of, I mean, there's even points that you can get just by, like, logging in and playing your PlayStation games. I believe on the monthly or whatever, though. So they're just trying to kind of keep you more in the ecosystem and reward you for staying in there playing games, all that stuff, buying all that kind of stuff, though. But yeah, so that that's pretty much it in terms of all the stuff I had to probably say on PlayStation Stars, though. But uh, let me know if you're actually uh, really looking forward to PlayStation Stars. and Because I know some people out there are some diehard fans. like They really like to get themselves some platinum trophies. Me, personally, I, I mean, I really couldn't care about platinum trophies, at least not that much to an extent, though. But I mean, it is kind of... I mean, I, I guess it is what it is, though, to those people that kind of like that for the sake of uh, accomplishing stuff and whatnot, though. But, yeah, that's basically going to do it for that, though. So we'll go ahead. That's pretty much it in terms of all the basic gaming news and stuff that's kind of associated with PlayStation, though. And the rest of the news I have for tonight is going to be strictly focused around Nintendo. 
Now, I do have some quick Nintendo news to kind of go through. Stuff that's not super long and detailed to talk about just on their own. But whenever I add up and go through all of the different stuff, I mean, it is it is quite a bit. I will say so myself, though. So the first thing I wanted to let y'all know is that Nintendo Switch Sports have received an update. In turn, and it, a lot of people were thinking, would it be an update on, you know, the golf or whatever? Because we knew now that that was coming in the fall. We're still in the summer, kiddos. So uh, no, we're, we're we're no, it wasn't that. But they did add the functionality of the leg strap that you were able to use in like shootout. Now you're able to do that in like the four player um, version of soccer and whatnot, though as well so you can use on four on four as well as one-on-one -on -one in soccer on um, soccer matches and you get some new volleyball moves and a little bit oh goodness and a little bit more stuff though so that's what basically that um update was for but it wasn't the only switch game update that we got because we also got a new update for mario strikers mario strikers i never felt so mixed on the game before no don't get me wrong and and i remember i think it was like one of the it might have been two podcast episodes ago or might have been one no i think it might have been two where i kind of gave out like my short mini review on the game though the game the core game itself is fun but you don't have a lot of modes or whatever you didn't have like a lot of variety a lot of extra characters or whatever though so the game kind of gets a little stale but i would say it got more stale because you can't do true 4v4 online matches with everybody being on a separate Nintendo Switch system. That's the part that got me because sometimes you get like, you you be playing by yourself and you be playing as three real life players. The other night ago, I think when they dropped this new update, I actually beat a team <laughs> that had three live players. I felt like I was king of the world or whatever though. So that, that was like a personal highlight for myself though. But outside of that, you get some people knowing what they're doing. It kind of seems, the game kind of seems a little bit unfair. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna sugarcoat or whatever though. But in this new update, they did announce two new characters, one being Shy Guy, and yes, for all y'all fans, y'all weird old fans at that, yes, Daisy's in the game as well, though. So yes, Daisy, Shy Guy, they both got added. You had a whole um, list of new gear that um, went up in there that you can actually purchase as well, and they added a whole new stadium, that being one thing around the desert or whatever, kind of fits the Shy Guy. Um, character though so yeah so honestly so, some pretty cool stuff whatever though um it is the first update and it's not necessarily the last one because they did say in like a tweet right below it that there are two more free there are two more rounds of updates that are going to happen before the end of 2022 so we can look at more additional characters gears and stadium and if it's just going to be the same thing i'm like cool you're adding a little bit more content up in there though but i will say Please, please, please put an update in there for the basic, or well, not really like basic, but just for being able to allow four different users on four different switches, same style like Splatoon 2 and what's about to be Splatoon 3, where you can get four different switches, get those four people on the same team and do the vice versa on the opposite team. That's all I'm really asking about. If they give me that update, then I'll probably be more actively probably trying to play strikers. I just play it like every now and then when when the mood just strikes me or whatever though. I'm fairly good at the game or whatever though, but it's just so certain matches. It's just like, what the heck? And sometimes like when you're dealing with those AI opponents, 
whether they're opponents or most likely when, when they're your allies or whatever, though, like half the time, they just kind of stand right in front of somebody and then get like, quick, stop them. But by the time you can actually switch to them because you know they ain't going to stop a hyper strike or whatever, though, or like get in the way to try to block the ball or something, even you have to take a body shot or whatever, though, just do anything to keep keep that ball away from Boomer and whatnot, though. And it's just half the time you can't even get to do the stuff that you want to do. I mean, golly, though. But anyway, though, so yeah, that was the quick updates on that. And one last quick update that I had was over, um, there was another update for the 3DS and we use um, eShop closures as well. Because now we have confirmed dates of when all that stuff is supposed to be shutting down. Because um, as of August the 29th, so not too long from now, almost the last day of August, but not quite. Um, it will no longer be possible to add funds to your account. So the only way how you can basically add funds to your account to be able to still purchase Wii U and 3DS games, you have to link your Switch and your Wii U slash 3DS's wallets all together. That's what I currently have. So that way you can technically add eShop card codes to your Switch wallet, and then that's, that gets shared over there. That'll be the only other way how you can add funds to it beyond that. And then March the 27th, purchases will no longer be available so technically it'll be march 26th as the last day you could actually buy something out of the wii u or 3d 3ds eShops. and then after that you can still download games and stuff like that you know re-download ones you can still play online but you just won't be able to purchase anything new and then reminder to the pokemon fans out there pokemon bank will be uh officially free after that point as well though so yeah so so honestly some sad stuff but just another little update on that so uh for those that um that might not have a switch or something like that, then uh, August 29th, for the most part, might be like the last good or before then August 29th, and technically be like the last good day that you might be able to add funds to your wallet and make all those purchases on there. If you happen to be a switch user, make sure you link those wallets up so that way uh you can still kind of keep getting stuff up until the very last second, though. But that's it in terms of all of the quick news right there. So we'll go ahead and jump over to the next major topic. Um, that being that Nintendo actually acquired um, Dynamo Pictures. Now, some of y'all might be wondering, well, what is Dynamo Pictures, though? Because it's it's a little different. Like, in terms of all these other acquisitions that we've seen Sony over here um been getting as well as like microsoft been busy with like the Bethesda thing as well as the um shoot i'm trying to think of the, the name of the other one the blizzard um activision blizzard and all of that stuff um nintendo is gonna nintendo and they actually bought like an animation studio or whatever though because uh with this studio it, i'm pretty sure it's just gonna be basically for like visual content and they actually renamed dynamo pictures and they actually renamed it to um Nintendo Pit or Nintendo Pictures Incorporated, something on the lines of that, though. It's basically kind of putting their branding on top of it, though. So, yeah, so honestly, it, it is kind of cool. I feel like they're going to probably use this either to help make certain cutscenes or it could be used to make certain trailers or whatever, just to make their games look a little, you know, make a look, make them look a little better or for the sake of advertising and stuff like that. I mean, keep in mind, we are having like a new Mario movie coming out here fairly soon or whatever, though. Who knows? They could technically um, use this studio or whatever to kind of help make other visual content as well, though. So, I mean, you, you just never know with this one, though. But it is a kind of a very interesting um, acquisition and stuff like that, though. And I know they worked on some previous stuff as well. And I'm trying to remember if I can actually pull this up. 
Mm, no, I, I can't. I can't remember. But I know they worked on other games before in the past. I think some of them being, uh, I want to say some of them were actually like some Sony games or whatever, though. But yeah, so they 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 had some pretty good experience with working with some um working with different stuff though. So honestly, um some good stuff here. I'm kind of curious to see exactly how um they're gonna be able to kind of put this into their pipeline and see what kind of results or content we kind of get from them though. But that's basically it in terms of that though. Now I did want to mention this: Xenoblade Chronicles Three, baby. We're not that far away. We're literally one, two, one, two, three. We're literally five days away from um from this game releasing. Probably shorter, or it could be out now, depending on when you listen to this podcast episode, though. But oh shoot, the the lead up to it. If you've been like a diehard Xenoblade fan, or shoot, I guess technically if you're a scalper as well or whatever, though. But it's been really hard to get your hands on the Xenoblade Three. Um, on the Xenoblade 3 um, special edition thing. And I kind of feel kind of bad because also not to mention that technically we're not even getting everything on day one, but it's all due to the fact that Xenoblade 3 was originally scheduled for September. It got moved up to the end of July, basically taking the spot of Splatoon 3 and Splatoon 3 basically falling back into um, what was probably it was probably going to be a july release similar to splatoon 2 but now it's releasing early september now though but these xenoblade fans in europe got chipped i mean they oh they got messed up because um unlike us here in the u.s where shoot when they first dropped that wave of special editions the whole website crashed you couldn't buy anything off of the um the nintendo store not just for the special edition, just anything off of the thing. Like, it crashed the whole thing down. Luckily, somehow, I managed to get it in the Wave 1. Most of my friends didn't. They got it within the Wave 2 that dropped out. But European fans been waiting so long to get the announcement of when they're going to drop their pre-orders. And they basically said, you know what? Forget the pre-orders. All y'all go out and buy the game. And uh, we'll open pre-orders for just what will be the art book and the steel book at a later date, closer in the fall. I was like, oh, shoot. I was like, in some ways, it's kind of good because that way you know that with shipping and whatnot, though, you're still going to get the game on day one or whenever you want to get the game with little to no delay. But the fact that you're still going to have to wait to know if you're going to be able to secure your copy of what would be the special edition, you basically have to put all the stuff together or whatever, though, because, I mean, you're not going to have the game up in there. You're just going to have, like, the art book and the steelbook or whatever, though. And I still kind of ponder why in the world is that being the case because, um, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Special Edition was like a whole lot better. You had that. I mean, you had that. You had some music up. You had the art book. You had a little bit of music up in there. You had the steel case and a couple other things up in there as well. It's like you almost had like five different things going up in there, but now we just got a mirror of three things. So I, I, I don't understand that though. But yeah, if you're over there in Europe or maybe some other countries as well, though, I, I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I, I guess that's just the result of you know, Xenoblade being moved up. I mean, everybody just kind of got gypped, though, unfortunately, though. Hopefully they can work out the logistics. Everybody's still, everybody that wants one is still able to get one, hopefully, or whatever, though. But yeah, here's hoping for all y'all fans out there, though. But that's basically all I want to report, report on on that. Now, the next thing is, we did manage to figure out what is going to be our next N64 game for the month. And we knew that technically 
Pokemon Stadium 2. Oh, not, oh, why did I say Pokemon Stadium 2? Um, Pokemon Snap was the very last thing that we knew that was going to be scheduled. Because when they first re revealed the Switch expansion pack, they basically kind of showed like a running slide of all the future games that were going to be added. That was the very last one. We didn't know anything else that was going to come after this. And then just some random day, they said, hey, Pokemon Puzzle League is coming out to expansion pack users. I was like, what the heck? It kind of caught me off guard. I was kind of laughing a little bit because I wasn't expecting <laughs> to have a game with Ash Ketchum up in there and, you know, the original voice actors and all of that stuff up in there, though. But it, it, that, that in itself was actually kind of pretty cool, though. But the big question was, well, shoot, are we going to be kind of like with the NES and SNES um, titles in terms of is this going to be random drops? We don't know exactly what we're going to actually get, though. But right below that tweet, they did mention to say, I'm trying to pull it up here real quick. They did mention to say that, oh, where is that mess at? Shoot, I just had, what the heck? But basically, I, I, I can basically summarize it though. But basically they said, hey, there is going to be more N64 games coming out in the foreseeable future. So just hang tight. Essentially is what they kind of said. And it, it kind of made people go like, well, what the heck? Dog, I, man, I hate it. I hate it when you're about to sneeze and then you pause for a moment and then the sneeze doesn't come out and it just makes you feel a little weird. I mean, that's just basically what happened though. I was like, man, what the heck? But anyway, though, oh, finally, during all of that, I think I almost managed to find the tweet though. But yeah, it, it basically said that um, essentially, though, and, you know, that's all we know that's basically happened with the N64 stuff, so there's no roadmap for this anymore. It's basically gonna be like an a la carte, you, you don't know what you're gonna kind of get or whatever, though, so, I mean, in some ways, it, it is surprising, but at the same point, I kind of wish we knew a roadmap of what we're kind of get. I don't know, maybe after September, Nintendo Direct, it, if they do, like, the general one, because we did get a partner showcase, so we didn't really get like a true, what would be a regular direct, but what normally will happen during the E3 season. If we do get one in September, maybe they'll kind of outline all of that stuff, because, you know, that's when they're going to renew their, uh, most people don't have to renew their subscriptions or decide, no, I'm not going to do it, or they might downgrade from the expansion pack, just get the basic tier, go back to the NES and SNES games and just simple online or whatever, though, not care too much about the 64 and the um, the Sega Genesis and all that kind of stuff, though. So, honestly, some kind of good stuff, but some stuff I'm just like, well, shoot. I I, I just hope they can kind of execute it because um, they have enough games out. I'm just surprised we don't have Wave Race on the N64 just yet. I'm like, what the heck? And then we always knew that there's been that GoldenEye 007 thing that's been floating around. Maybe it's been pushed back kind of like Advance Wars due to it due to the war over there in Ukraine and whatnot, though. Maybe that's what's kind of been pushing that back. But hopefully we'll hear something about that, and maybe by the end of the year, who knows? But uh, here's hoping, though. But yeah, so that's basically all I had to say on the expansion pack and the N64 game front, though. So we'll go ahead and switch over to the next topic, because now we're finally getting into some um, new stuff, because Kirby. Kirby, Kirby, Kirby. We know it's Kirby's anniversary year this year, though. And they've been doing a lot of stuff in terms of merchandising, I mean, we had Kirby and the um, Forgotten Land and stuff like that, though. Quite a bit of good stuff from Kirby, though. And they did come out and announce that, yeah, there is going to be another digital title, kind of similar to Kirby Fighters 2, 
that's going to be um, releasing here fairly soon. They did say during the month of summer, and they didn't actually give out like a concrete release date. But if you look at it, July has Xenoblade Chronicles 3, September has Splatoon 3. There's nothing really scheduled for August. So my gut's basically saying it's going to be for August, though. But it's called Kirby's Dream Buffet, and it should be exclusive to the eShop. Now, I'm thinking... It's it's a four player um it's a four player game or whatever though it kind of does remind me of Fall Guys a little bit I will say so myself but it's kind of like a racing game ish kind of thing it's, it's it's like almost like a, like a fusion of those two aspects or whatever though so I mean it, it looks really charming and stuff the food in it kind of looks kind of good I ain't gonna lie or whatever though but yeah it makes me think I'm like well this probably in terms of like a cost for it I, I have a feeling it's probably you're gonna be like. 20 bucks kind of similar to Kirby Fighters 2 or I wouldn't put it past them they could be treated like a uh, Switch um expansion pack exclusive title or something like that I mean uh, I wouldn't put it past them. or Switch Online in general either one of the two maybe expansion just so pe they can kind of make their money's worth back up on it though but I have a feeling it could very well be tied to Switch Online as well though and if it is, that's going to be pretty cool. It actually allowed me to try it. If not, then I might not buy it myself, though. Shoot, I ain't even got um, Kirby in a Forgotten Land yet. I mean, eventually, maybe I'll get that game if it goes on sale, though. But, but yeah, so some really cool, nice little stuff that Kirby's getting for its anniversary year. And, you know, they pop these Kirby games out like, like a fish giving birth. Like, you're always going to get something every single year. So, I mean, it, it is nice for all those Kirby fans out there, though. But I think that's pretty much it that all I have to say on that, though. So, we'll go ahead and switch over uh, to the next topic. Getting very close to the very end, though. But this next bit of news, oh, my goodness. Uh, it, man, this really caught me by surprise, though. Because, honestly, in the lead-up to it, we saw how there was, like, a Switch OLED video on nintendo's youtube channel and it got taken taken down people were thinking oh shoot the switch pro is going to be announced the switch pro is going to be a thing oh shoot get ready boys and literally the very next day it wasn't no switch pro it was the splatoon 3 oled edition um model or whatever you want to call it though and i gotta say i was like man I, i'm kind of glad it wasn't a switch pro because at this point in the game it is so late i would just rather have them go straight into what would be like a Super Switch, basically the next successor after the Switch. It's already, we're already so late into the Switch's life anyway. The Switch Pro would be nice, but I mean, we're just so close to almost being to another successor and we're still during the chip shortage and all this stuff due to the pandemic. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm just content with what we have right now. Let's keep making quality games and whatnot though. And uh, we'll stick with our OLED, our standard base, and our Switch Lite that we have at the moment, though. But looking at the Switch, um, Splatoon 3 Switch OLED, this thing looks like straight fire. I love how those Joy-Cons are like, I think people have been saying gradient. Like, you know how like it starts off with like yellow to green on one Joy-Con, and then it's like a dark blue um, to like uh, kind of violently purple to the other side, though. Those Joy-Cons look really fresh and stuff like that. You got like the white back on the Joy-Cons. Um, and then just that dot design and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I might possibly get this. I was like, I'm, I'm that much of a diehard Splatoon fan. Like literally I put like, gosh, since the game came out in 2017, I think I'm a little over a thousand, a thousand hours up into it. I know my good friend Bronto, he plays almost just as much as Splatoon 2 as me. 
and he's at like 800 something hours or something like that though i mean shoot when this game comes out we might be playing splatoon 3 it might be like a ritual thing playing it like on wednesday nights or something like that me just streaming that mess on twitch or something like that though but yeah but i will say this for those that are interested in getting it um there's placeholders that are up on best buy right now but i'm thinking it's going to be just like how all the other switch editions like how they did with the monster hunter i think the monster hunter rise one was similar definitely the mario edition i think the animal crossing was almost the same though too where um they they don't release pre-orders for these things it just goes up live on the day of release that's what i'm thinking is going to be so if you're thinking you're going to get it at best buy it's either going to be like between midnight and two o'clock central standard time when you can actually, you know, purchase and put your reservations up on them or it'd be sometime kind of early in the morning, like post eight o'clock central standard time or something like that. Though I'm going to try to see if I can get my hands on one of them and figure out what I'm going to do on one of my other switches or something like that, though. But yeah, so honestly, really sick, though, because I, I don't have an OLED model. And from everything I heard with that bigger screen and having the OLED up in there, and then you got the improvement on the kicks in and stuff like that. It could be worth the upgrade or whatever, though. So, yeah, so definitely for those that might have the first edition of the Switch that doesn't even have the better battery life up in there, I mean, that could be, like, quite a bit of a drastic jump going from that to this OLED model, though. So, yeah, so I am really looking forward to this. Um, it does release at uh, 360, a price of 360. Normally, the OLED is 350, but for the paint job, you get some extra 10 bucks or whatever, though. And this is actually going to release a couple weeks before um, Splatoon 3 actually launches in September. So, and just a reminder, there's the game's not actually attached to there. So that way, you know, that's kind of good in some regards. So that way, I mean, when you look at like the PlayStation, um, special edition or whatever though like they're throwing like a digital code up in there for the new um god of war game or whatever though at least them not putting it up in here um a copy of the game up in there which normally would probably would have been digital like the monster Hunter rise um special edition switch that came with a digital code at least this one it doesn't so that way i can still pick up the game physically because uh that's what i want to do with games that i really do enjoy a lot i like getting them physical Games I'm feeling kind of iffy on, or I don't really care about too much. Those are the ones I usually get digital, or whatever. Though, so honestly, this game or this system is looking extremely—I mean, extremely fresh—and I'm really liking and digging this design, though. But yeah, so that's basically all I had to say on that Splatoon 3 OLED Switch, though. Now moving over to the very last topic that I have up for the podcast for tonight, we did get the release date for Bayonetta 3. Finally, after five, and I do, was was it five? Like what, this game was announced in 2017? Yeah, after five whole years of waiting, we finally, 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 finally get the release date for Bayonetta 3. And we don't have to wait too much longer, though, either, because it is coming out on October the 28th. A few days, actually, before Halloween. So I'm thinking... I think the movie is just right around that. So kind, of, kind of like how Luigi's Mansion 3 released like on Halloween. I think it's releasing in an appropriate month, just right before the holiday season and stuff like that, though. The game looks phenomenal. Don't get me wrong on that. Like Everything looks cool. Everything looks fresh and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, and there is a special edition out for this game as well. So people, uh, you know, fans of the series or whatever, though, they can get their hands up on that. I think that retails at like 90 bucks or so. So yeah, so some really good stuff from Bayonetta. Not only did we get the release date and as well as like a cool snappy looking um, trailer and whatnot for it, though, they did confirm for fans that, yes, 
they're actually going to release a physical copy of Bayonetta 1. Originally, Bayonetta 1 for the Switch was like digital only. Like you bought Bayonetta 2 and had a download code for Bayonetta 1 that you're able to put on your Switch. But now um, pre-orders are going up for Bayonetta 1 physical all on that cartridge. And they're only making a limited amount. So you are able to pre-order them right now. So if you want to get that physically, go ahead and do it. Otherwise, um, yeah, you might miss out on it or whatever, though. I don't know if it's going to be like like Mario 3D All-Stars where they said they make a limited amount and you could still you could still find those like way after when they were going to stop it on that March 31st date or whatever, though. So hopefully it's going to be like that. So at least all the people that really want to get it, they can get their hands up on it, though. But yes, a lot of good stuff happening for Bayonetta 3 and just Bayonetta as a whole or whatever, though. So honestly, some really cool stuff. Uh, it did seem like from the trailers that they kind of showcase off, people were sort of kind of worried about the game's presentation and what down throw, but I did feel like they put quite a bit of polish since the last time we got a little bit of footage or whatever, though. So yeah, so this, this game looks snazzy, all that stuff. There is a mode up on there. Maybe I should mention this too. There is a mode up on there, though, that's like a sensor mode, because you do know, like, with Bayonetta and stuff, since this game is rated mature or whatever, though, like, there's some movements with her where it's, like, when she does, like, a punch, it forms with her hair or whatever, though, but it basically leaves her almost partially naked or whatever, though, and um, there is, like, a sensor mode where if you can turn that on, then uh, you don't have to worry about it. If you got, like, other people in the room, family, younger kids, whatever, though, or, you know, basically anybody that's, like, lower than that 17 age or whatever, though. Uh, you can't flip that mode on so that way you, you don't have to be disturbed or they have to be disturbed or seeing something that they probably shouldn't see or whatever though so yeah so it allows accessibility to be a little bit higher or slash those that kind of don't want to see all the extra stuff or whatever though but yeah so so really cool stuff um added up into the series though and uh, i know a lot of people are gonna be looking forward to this though me personally i played bayonetta one it was okay it wasn't kind of like my cup of tea or whatever though but i can understand why people sort of like it though because Platinum Platinum can make some really good games. I ain't gonna lie on that. I'm just kind of sitting over here waiting for my Astral Chain 2 to drop out, though, because, I mean, like, shoot, I really love Astral Chain 1, though. But y'all gotta let me know, whether it be in the comments or just on Twitter or whatever, though, if you're really hyped for um, this game finally releasing in the month of October, then let me know. Because now it seems like Nintendo, they got a fairly good stack second half of the year now. We know we got Zenoblade 3 in July. I'm pretty sure we might get the Kirby game in August. September has Splatoon 3. October has two games, not necessarily Nintendo Nintendo, but the Nintendo exclusive. That being um, the Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope thing coming out like mid-October. And then late October, we got Bayonetta 3. And then you roll over into November and you have um, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet. So yeah, so now we went to not really knowing exactly what we might have for the second half of the year to almost having something that could potentially drop out every single month leading up to basically all the way to the holiday season. Not sure anything's going to fall into the December slot. Maybe if we get lucky and they actually say, hey, we're going to greenlit Advance Wars and they're just going to drop it out on December or something like that, then maybe. But I mean, yeah, so basically we got something every single month though. So I don't want to hear anybody else complaining about, oh man, there ain't really nothing else uh, for the second half of the year. No, we got something almost every single month now. So yeah, yeah, Nintendo got that all lined out. Maybe that's the reason why they didn't really need to do like a, a general direct because uh, they basically got everything else planned out for the second half of the year. Also, we have like Mario Kart DLC stuff um, that they hadn't even announced yet. That's like the last thing that outside of like the Mario Strikers and the uh, Switch Sports updates, that's like the last update thing I think we're kind of waiting on right now at this moment though. So yeah, so 
honestly, everything is planned out. Everything should be going, you know, according to schedule or whatnot, though. So, yeah, so that's basically it in terms of all the gaming news that I had to basically um, talk back talk about and discuss those so yeah so uh we'll go ahead and move over um to the very next topic that being so about that show all right so lately i've been watching some things like some animes and stuff like golly me delaying this podcast about a week kind of actually like put me off a little bit so I felt like I watched a movie lately, and I'm trying to think of what what was its name. I mean, besides Thor, Rat, um, well, I was about to say Thor Ragnarok. Besides Thor: Love and Thunder, I thought there was a movie I watched before that, but now I'm just not thinking. Oh, oh, I did hit. Uh, wait, I did, but I can't remember if I said it in this in the last episode. I, I don't think I, I don't think I did. I don't think I did. I did watch Morbius like a couple of weeks ago and um i know know a lot of people were you know making fun out of that movie because it kind of basically flopped in theaters though it was an okay movie i kind of liked it i mean it wasn't like crazy good or anything like that though i thought it was just a nice little fun watch or whatever though because um you do have to keep in mind that at least with you know in the marvel universe there are vampires there's also vampire hunters and stuff like that though so yeah so i mean it, it was a fun watch it was a fun watch i mean would I recommend it? I mean, watching the DVDs. I mean, if you watch it in theaters, I'm sorry. But um, but just watching it just, you know, on DVD or maybe if it comes out to a streaming service or something like that, I think it's just a fine watch like that, though. So nothing else too crazy on it. I don't think I really have too much more to say on it, though. Because, I mean, it, it was just more like um, watch it, just enjoy it. Kind of like a Fast and Furious movie, like... You're not really watching it so much for the plot super much or for a whole bunch. It's just kind of, it's just there. It's just kind of there or whatever, though. The cut scene at the very end of it makes me think, well, shoot, Sony's definitely taking advantage of the whole multiverse thing and trying to take advantage of that with Spider-Man still being associated with, like, within the MCU and whatnot, though. But I think that's basically all I have to say on that. Now, in terms of anime stuff, I've been watching a few new shows. However, I don't think I want to talk about it, at least not in this one episode. Maybe I'll save it for episode 38, because there's still some more epi- or there's still some more animes that I'm going through and adding to my list, whether it be dub or whether it be sub or something like that, though. So hopefully by episode 38, I can just kind of dedicate this whole spot right here just to anime shows that I've been going through and watching and stuff like that. I can just kind of go through there and just kind of cherry pick and go through all of that stuff, though. But, I mean, outside of that, and I, I mentioned I mentioned Thor Love and Thunder. I mentioned um, and talked about earlier in the Marvel segment about Miss Marvel and stuff like that. So that's most of the stuff I've been kind of keeping up with here lately, though. So kind of a lighter um so about that show but um as long as i remember and as long as i've been watching some more shows uh get ready for that big anime segment that might be up in here um next week though so that's it about the so about that show segment though so we'll go ahead and switch over to our very last segment that being uh what you've been playing all right so here lately there's been a cup i think a couple a couple of games that I've been um, going through and playing. One of them being 
Um, I'll, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about this one first. One of them being uh, Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. I finally managed to finally finish that game. I think I've been working on that game for about the past two, not two. I think past three or four months, I want to say. Probably three months. I, I think four might have been too long. I think for the past two or three months, I've been working on that game. I finally managed to sit down and actually beat that game. So now that I'm done with Dream Drop Distance, I'm very close to Kingdom Hearts 3 now because there's not too much that's in my way now. I just have to watch that Union Cross movie. And then I have to sit down and play um, Birth by Sleep 0.2, which from what I heard is about like a three-hour experience. It's not really like like a full-blown game to like the degree of like what we know with most Kingdom Hearts games. And then I'm straight on into Kingdom Hearts 3. So I'm in the final stretch of getting down to this thing, though. So really looking forward to that. I thought Dream Drop Distance was a fairly good game. I really liked the, the combat and stuff in terms of like that flow motion stuff. It kind of made the game a little more fluid and stuff like that. I really I really did like it. I really did like it. It, it, it was very unique in that regard. I feel like they always kept like layering and adding more stuff with the Kingdom Hearts games as time progressed. So I'm very curious now to see exactly how Kingdom Hearts 3 kind of plays out. And honestly, with Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm really looking forward to that Pirates of the Caribbean world. Because I heard from people, like, some people said that that's almost a game in itself or whatever, though. If you just put the time up in it, though. So I, I, I'm just really looking forward to that one in Kingdom Hearts 3, as well as the, the whole overarching story and stuff like that. Because stuff got crazy at the very tail end of the Dream Drop Distance. When it started mentioning, like, time travel and all of this stuff like that, I was still trying to scratch it. Scratching my head over here and trying to get my head wrapped around it, though. But yeah, that's what I've been doing on the PlayStation front. Not too much more beyond that, though, because I think the other PlayStation games I'm looking forward to after I'm done with those last few Kingdom Hearts games leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, I still have Ghost of, Sh Ghost of Tsushima over there in my corner. That'll be probably the next game I work on. And then um, I think that's it. Between the Kingdom Hearts games and Ghost of Tsushima, those are the only games I actually own at this point. And then I know in terms of new releases, I want to get, I want to get, um, what you call it, Soul Hackers 2 on the PS5 that comes out in August, but I probably won't pick it up on day one. Maybe if the game goes on sale by Black Friday, I'll pick it up then. I do know I also want to get Hogwarts Legacy. I actually already had that one pre-ordered, so I know I'm getting that in November. And then I also know Final Fantasy um, 7, you know, Crisis Core. That's supposed to be coming out sometime this winter. It'll either be like maybe November, December, but I'm thinking most likely it's probably be January or February. That's the third game I know I'm probably going to get on PlayStation. So, yeah, so trying to get the last of this, these games I actually own caught up. And um, I actually be doing fairly good on my backlog on the PlayStation side of things. So at least that system um, is staying almost pretty much up to date. Meanwhile, on the Switch, golly, the backlog is kind of real, though, because on the Switch here lately... It's been all about live alive, live alive, live alive, man. That that game right there. Oh my goodness! I, oh shoot! That that's that game right there. It's phenomenal. I really do love what Square Enix has been doing with the HD two D series and whatnot. Though we all started off with you know Octopath Traveler. That looked really cool back then, though. But in comparison, when Triangle Strategy came out, I was like, man, they did some better stuff with the colors and lighting and stuff on this game. And then now with this one, there's just some moments where I was playing through, I started off with the Imperial China um, story first, because I think that's the first one I actually did within the demo segment, because when you play the demo, they gave you Imperial China, Edo Japan, and uh, Distant Future. They give you all three of those, and you play like almost like the first hour of each one of those, 
or it might not be like full hour, it might be like 30, 40 minutes or something like that, though. But yeah, they let you dive into those three routes at first. But there was one moment during that China one, I I just kind of let it sit in the background for like a like a minute or two or something like that. Because, I mean, it's just kind of breathtaking how much time they put up in it. And from what I heard, it actually took them like three years to actually make this remake. Because remember, remind y'all, this was a game that actually came out on the Super Famicom. And it never came to the West due to the poor sales that happened over there in Japan. Because they did have plans to bring the original versions over here. But due to the fact they're not selling well in Japan, they just axed the, the project for it to come out to the West or whatever, though. So, yeah, so honestly, I'm just really glad that this game turned out to be such a good success. I finished those three routes. Uh, literally, as soon as this podcast is done, I'm probably going to boot up and play the um my next story. Probably going to be pre- the prehistoric one. I think that's going to be the fourth one I'm going to try to attempt or whatever, though. But, yeah, I- I'm really loving every single aspect of it. The writing, the voice acting is great and stuff. The storytelling. And I really do like how it's like these nice bite-sized experiences where normally if you're playing a big old JRPG, your most fun moments might be the start and what might be the end and some stuff in the middle or whatever, though. But then some of those other parts that that kind of exist in between all of that, it can kind of drag down. And it's like, all right, I kind of want to do something fresh, something new or whatever, though. But at least with this game, since they're all, each of the stories are about no more at tops, like three hours long. You can kind of flow from one story to the next to the next and not really feel like any true burnout because all games kind of play differently. I mean, the battle system and stuff like that at its core is the same, but the way how you might approach everything is a little bit different. Different Because like even in the distant future route, literally, you don't do any fighting in that game except for like one thing kind of close to the beginning of the story and at the very tail end when you have to fight the final boss. That was it. You didn't do any other combat in between. And from what I've been hearing about people saying about the, the Western story, I think there's not a lot of combat up in that one either. I think I heard someone say they got through that like an hour and 15 minutes. I was like, what the heck? But yeah, so maybe that, those couple of one, um, couple of stories have like the less amount of fighting up in there, though. But then I heard like Prehistoric has like, you know, quite a bit of fighting up in there. And I know um, Imperial China had quite a bit of fighting up in there, as well as Edo Japan, if you choose so. Because I, I mean, in that one, you can either choose to kill and or slash, um, you know, kind of act like a shadowy ninja, not be seen and try to avoid killing people. But there are some that you're going to have to fight or whatever, though. But yeah, so that's basically all I've been playing, really, in terms of like Switch, as well as some PS5 games I've been going through and playing on. I kind of forget that I technically have um, Game Pass Ultimate on my PC, and I hadn't really dived into like a lot of stuff outside of Sea of Thieves. I've been playing a little bit of that. When I first got Game Pass and I had to mess with it too much. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll boot it up and try to look at see what else is up on that system now. But um, I think that's pretty much going to do it in terms of the what I've been playing segment. And that's going to about do it in terms of the whole podcast as a whole. Yeah, so sorry. No no Sonic U tonight. I know he was tied up doing some uh, a few other things that he, he wanted to do and take care of and whatnot, though. Because normally he would have been here right next to me, kind of going through and giving his thoughts on all the topics we have through tonight, though. But yeah, so honestly, some really good stuff that happened within the past few weeks, though. And um, yeah, really exciting stuff. If you hadn't gotten live alive, I definitely highly recommend it, though. Because especially once that game goes out of print and they're, or, you know, they're not going to make anymore or whatever, though, the physical copies, like any of the, um, the HG2D series ones, I feel like, you know, the, uh, the price on that is going to go up in value um you know as we go along in the future though so i i just 
you know, I made the commitment and say, hey, I started off a triangle strategy, moved on to this, and I know I'm going to get it with the Dragon Quest 3 HD 2D, getting all those physical, because I know there's going to be like quite a bit of value to it. The only one I kind of messed up on was like Octopath Traveler. I got that one digitally because I didn't know exactly what I was going to be getting myself up into or whatever. Or maybe I had like giveaway funds or something like that. I had some funds on the eShop or something like that, though. But yeah, so let me know down in the comment section down below. Uh, what what all did you think about the the topics and stuff like that? Were you excited for all the news that was planned or that was revealed when in San Diego Comic Con and all that stuff with all the Marvel stuff? Like I'm still recovering from last night and all that stuff. You want to hear more thoughts on that? Obviously, you can go check my channel out. There's a whole video um, dedicated towards all of those news announcements, reveals, trailer reactions, all that kind of good stuff, though. And then uh, in terms of all the gaming news and stuff like that, are you excited about Bayonetta 3 finally getting that release date, whatever, though? Did the Kirby game kind of catch you by surprise and whatnot, though? Are you going through and playing through Live Alive currently at the moment, though? Or are you really anticipating Xenoblade Chronicles 3 that's going to be coming up this Friday? Thankfully, the podcast kind of got offset in to such a degree that now... I don't have to worry about doing the podcast on the weekend that it releases. So it'll be the weekend after that. So we can technically get pretty far in the game and have a little better impressions on what we thought about the game. Hopefully with me and so um, me and hopefully Sonic U whenever he makes it back. And then there'll probably be at some point when we probably all finish the game, like how I do with most Xenoblade things. Like I always tend to have like those really long discussions with like me, Mario, Sonic U, and sometimes, and sometimes Steven though. But yeah, so maybe we'll do one of those once we go through and finally go through and beat the game and whatnot, though. Because I know there's going to be a lot to discuss about that game whenever that game comes out, though. So yeah, so we're in some really good times in terms of um, all the potential content that's been announced for news, releases, games, and all of this kind of other stuff within the media, pop culture stuff in general, though. But that's basically going to do it in terms of the Zarkast episode 37, though. So yeah, so you really like this episode, make sure to go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button and that bell to stay up to date on all things video game related. Um, that I feel like talking about and discussing for the foreseeable future. If you happen to be watching this on a podcast server, whether that be Google, Apple, Spotify, or even Amazon Music, make sure to go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and share this podcast out. Give it a quick little review if it allows you to do that, whatever though. And just let us know. And you know, just letting people know, hey, it's just me. Sometimes with a few of my other friends, just talking about some gaming stuff and with a chill, laid back, just talking about stuff that we enjoy, and whatnot though. And that's basically going to do it for episode 37, though. So remember, y'all, until we're video I make next, until the next episode being Zarkast episode 38, I'll see y'all later.